0: It was just me in the yard with a machete. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you were <laughs> hacking, Joel. You're
1: out there with a the machete. So I've got a good one to start us off this week. Um, I was hunting earlier this week on a program, uh, without giving too much details away, and they had a hash that they would append to every single request. And that hash was some secret plus the query parameters for that request. And if you didn't have that hash there, then the request wouldn't work. And I had never seen that before. Have you ever seen that before?
0: No, that, that's really interesting. A hash plus the query parameters, like I'll, I'll just append it together.
1: So, so essentially what they do is they, they generate the request, right, and then they would take a hash of the, the path and query parameters, and then they would append that hash to the request. And when the request came through, they would grab that hash, remove it, and then hash the, the, query, the path and the query parameters plus some secret. And then uh, if it didn't match, then it would drop the request. Interesting. It, it's pretty like dude, I'm not going to lie. Like I came up against that and I was like, okay, this is some like, you know, duct tape together uh security mechanism that someone came up with, but it was actually pretty freaking good. So, I found a way around it full disclosure. Oh, yeah, Yeah, I did. And uh I'm I want to see what your what your thoughts are. How would you how would you approach approach that off the top of your head?
0: So, I think first thing I b- I would probably do is I would just like try some basic like ways of joining those, those parameters together and see yeah. if it's like an unknown hashing algorithm. So like try like spaces, dashes, vertical bars, um, no, n- just like nothing between them. And then I would try like MD5, SHA1, SHA one, SHA. Well, it was a SHA two fifty six hash. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then maybe what you could do as just a basic test is put some like, like super simple controllable strings in. In the uh, in the query, mm. get the hash, run it into a hash brute forcer or a hash cracker because mm. if you use something simple enough, it'll probably actually be in the hash cracker database, and then you can see how it's joining it together. Well,
1: it's not it it's not like oh you mean you try to get the, the the parameter to be as you try to get it to be as simple as possible. Yep yep uh, interesting yeah so you know obviously we don't have the or without without going down the spoiler path. Um, you know, there's there's no way to generate that hash with your, your arbitrary su- supplied mm. user input. So it was a little tricky, man, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. One of the things that, you know, came up off the top of my head was like, okay, how is this hash generated? So I grabbed the the query parameters in the path, and I started, you know, fuzzing around with it. Interestingly enough, um, there wasn't a, they didn't hash the post request bodies. So uh, it was just the get request uh, hmm. query parameters. Um, So I started fuzzing around with that. I couldn't find anything. And then um, the solution that I came up with in the end is, I don't know, man, I thought it was pretty cool. But um, essentially how it works is when you log in, there's a return to URL, right? And that return to URL is supplied by user input. So when you log in, you can generate that hash, um, or you can stick your path in there with your query parameters. And then press, you know, put in your credentials and log in. And then it will generate that uh, that mm. actual hash and attach it to the thing. Then that hash can be transposable into other people's um, accounts. And you could, uh, you know, issue arbitrary requests that way. So I thought nice. that was a pretty interesting one.
0: Nice. So you basically you found like a generator endpoint that you could yeah. feed it input and then get it to hash for you.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Nice. But besides that, I mean, to be perfectly honest, man, I, I had me stumped for a couple hours. I was like this is actually a pretty decent technique to to annoy hackers
0: yeah I feel like that's one of those things that you you just put it on your list of like take note that's interesting maybe it'll pop up later and then yeah. you just keep hunting and like it's super un, not like dissatisfying unset whatever it, it's yeah. it's very like frustrating when you when you like you're so close on something and you just have to push away from it and go do something else and yeah. move on to the next thing but I think that's also those great things to just like just put a pin in it put a sticky note on it
1: yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It's one of the skills that's definitely necessary in this space because, yeah, if you can't always exploit something right off the bat. So keeping that that Rolodex, I don't know, that's not exactly what it is. It's uh, keeping those notes in your head <laughs> yeah. of like, okay, well, if I go here, I've got this chain piece um, can really end up with some crazy bugs. And it's funny you mentioned that, Joel, because uh, we've got some some crazy chains we're going to talk about later in this episode. Um but, yeah, no, it, it was just an interesting little tidbit I wanted to drop in there. And then the other piece of that of that target that I'll just mention was, um, you know, I noticed that they, in almost, in, in almost all of the requests, the IDs of the affected um, asset was in the get request query uh, parameters, not mm. the post body, right? And so even though it was a post request, it was getting sent in the, you know, query parameters. And so I was like, okay, you know what? Their, you know, their security best practice is like, uh, you know, putting the, the, IDs, the numeric IDs, uh, in the, in the query parameter. So what I did is I started hunting around and I started looking for any time a numeric ID would pop up in the post body. And, uh, I got a couple, couple cool bugs out of that. So that's a cool little bounty story from this week.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I I really enjoy Recently, I've been sitting down and doing, um, one of the hacker one pentos Mm. and, um, it's really, it's fun to dive back in and especially, I mean, I at least in the U.S., most people have mon- had Monday off uh, for President's yeah. Day. Um, so uh, that nice three-day weekend is good. And I was just spending a bunch of time just, like, hacking around, like, poking at stuff. Um, hacking around was, like it's a <laughs> Hacking around. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, as you do. Just, just hacking ha- around the,
1: <laughs> the yard, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, Just it was just me in the yard with a machete. Uh, just, yeah, <laughs> sure you were hacking, Joel. You're out there
1: with a the machete. <laughs> oh, yeah man.
0: but um no but it's really fun because you you like you start to build out like this web of sort of knowledge about your target and you start to piece things together and and build out some really interesting like internal like models in your head um yeah. you can really find some some cool connections once you start to get a real full understanding
1: yeah for sure man and and I've, i pretty much this is the first target that i've actually you know selected and gone up against since uh h1 407 the last live hacking event i needed a little bit of a uh, you know, a break after that one. And then also we had a, um, uh, we got a re- new rental property actually within mm. the past couple of weeks. So I've been over there like actually hacking stuff and trying to nice. get uh, that to be in place. So yeah, it's been pretty fun. Nice. I do have um, this week. I've got uh, a couple guys coming to hang out with me from Japan. They're staying at my place, uh, friends from when I lived over there and they're both, uh aspiring bug bounty hunters so we're gonna we're gonna pick some target and hit hit it hard over the next three weeks and uh hopefully i'll have some good war stories from that
0: dude it's super funny because i was i was commenting recently that it seemed like everybody that i knew and everybody that i was seeing on social media was all traveling to japan right now in the last like you know, like month or two, because they opened up their travel restrictions again. Um, But maybe it's the other way around, where if you're in Japan, everybody's now going to America.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, it was, uh, I was jealous, man. I was getting some, I I know what you mean. I know you're talking about a couple people, a couple different groups of people, actually. And I was getting, I was getting pictures of ramen and and katsu and like, uh, katsudon, so good. Yeah,
0: I'm so, job. I'm super jealous. Me and me and my, uh, my fiance seem to be wife. We're, we're trying to get out there. Like we want to do it for our honeymoon. We think so. We're yeah. just like, we're, we're trying to like plan out the perfect trip so that can, we can go and visit. Cause neither of us have ever been. We both really wanted to go for a while.
1: Yeah, it's super good, man. Definitely. Definitely. Let me know when you're hopping over there. I got some, got some cool recommendations and just, you know, right now in March, March is like the peak season to go. Um, oh, yeah, and so yeah, it's it's a little uh it's a little expensive on the on the flights right now, but so I gotta go do some United hacking and get some more miles <laughs> and then go and <laughs> hop over to
0: Yeah, the... yeah, there's a little pro tip for you who for for those who don't know, if you hack on United's uh Bug Bounty program, they pay you in miles. Yeah. So uh a critical bug is worth what, a million miles? Yeah, is that still I,
1: th- I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kinda crazy. It's kinda hard to get a crit with the way that they um You know assess the bugs but uh definitely been able to rack some miles there haven't paid for a flight in a while so definitely check it out um yeah and and the the gotcha though on that i will say the the taxes taxes (laughs) Um, but cool cool tip on that you heard it first here um i talked to actually my father-in-law and i was just like you know what do you think i should do about this tax predicament he's a pretty clever guy with those sort of things he's like well if they're taxing them for you why don't you just uh write them off and just if you're using it for business purposes, you know, if you're going to like DEF CON or you're doing, you know, going out to San Francisco to meet with your buddies for, you know, some hacking thing or, you know, doing some that oriented travel. For example, Mariah comes with me to all the live hacking events, so we always fly her out. Um, if you use your miles for that, then you can just write them off on your tax return and it's just, you know, plus and minus. So works huh. well.
0: I did not know that you could expense uh, flights paid with miles today, I learned.
1: Yeah. So obviously, cool this is not stuff. a financial advice podcast. Yes. And, uh, let's anything go ahead we
0: say, and we are not li- held liable for. So uh, insert disclaimer here. Do this at your own risk. But uh, yeah, there's a little there's a little hack for you that yeah. may or may not work.
1: Yeah. No. No responsibility here. Just just free me of all responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> just all right. uh, t- sign your name here. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, dude. So um, yeah, we've got two different types of bugs we want to talk about this week, and then we'll kind of go into um, some bug write-ups. we got a CSS injection. That's the one we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about some post-message stuff. So you want to talk about post-message stuff first, or should I do CSS injection?
0: Yeah, sure, and I'll I'll actually tie this in with my bug because uh, my bug that I was going to talk about uh, is... Was a post message bug, so very That's very sweet. straightforward post message bug. Um, basically, there was uh, there was this HTML page that I found that was doing some really interesting behavior. Um, I think I actually I, I had found it using uh, Franz's post message extension that we talked about. Okay. Um, and essentially, what what I noticed is that it was sending this HTML content over to the iframe for it to render on this page oh, just nice. with a post message. So. Normally, you probably wouldn't see this, uh, but when it's printed out in, you know, the console like that, it's super, super straightforward. Yeah. So, yeah, essentially all you do is you just iframe that HTML. You send a post message with your script to that page and bam, just pops an, XS, uh, an XSS and it was uh, just super, super easy. Dang, that's um, pretty clean, dude. Yeah, it was actually an internal dupe on the program. Um, oh, no, so, dude, so they were so like wow. uh, they were like, yeah, we have a ticket for this already. We 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 know about this behavior, but Sure you do. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like
1: that is one area where the bug money platforms are lacking a little bit right now with the internal dupe thing. Like I would love to see And I've seen some companies do this well where they actually like take a picture of the Jira ticket with the date created and stuff like that, but sometimes it just feels bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the company that I work at, which um I'm not going to mention them because Sure. Well, you, you can do the research, but, you know, um, yeah, we'd uh, we, we like to do that as well, just because, nice. w- you know, a, a lot of us are bug bunny hunters or were bug bunny hunters in the yeah. past. And so we have a lot of the context of, like, how to, like, message with researchers and uh, how to sort of keep rapport and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah we, we, we definitely like to share as much data and be as transparent as possible whenever we can.
1: Yeah, you got a great team over there, dude. Definitely, definitely worth, uh, worth hacking on that program. Yeah. Anyways. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So... so- do you want to talk about more about post-message stuff?
0: Yeah. Yeah, real quick. So, yeah, so um, generally, you know, for those who aren't familiar, post-message is basically just a way for you to communicate mm-hmm. between um, windows, between window instances. So mm-hmm. it, it lets you send messages to different instances, and you can receive messages on those instances with an on message. Um, and there is a great Medium post uh, by Daniel Brain uh, from back in 2017. We'll link this in the uh, show notes, but... Basically, this has a full list of, and I think this is probably up to date. It's um, it's six years old now, I think. But yeah,
1: it's. It, I think it is. I went through and tested a lot of these lately, and it's pretty on on par. I think.
0: Yeah. So basically, it's just like a great, great reference where it has it walks you through all of the different ways that you can get a window object. Uh, within JavaScript, essentially. So, uh, whether it's an existing pop up window or a new pop up window or it's your current window, um, you can get them by name, you can get them uh, by object, you can iterate over all of the different frames within a window. There's like a ton of different ways um, that are detailed throughout this blog post. So, I would definitely recommend you go check that out um, if you're ever dealing with stuff that uses post message and. If you're using that Chrome extension that we mentioned, you'll probably notice a lot of stuff uses post message. So much stuff uses post so message. Stuff, it's a honestly a lot of
1: extensions too. You know the Chrome extensions. I've got to disable a bunch of Chrome extensions every single time <laughs> I I try to use it.
0: I know because I, I'll I'll be like just like you regularly browsing, and then I'll just see like something pop up, and I'll be like, wait, what is that coming? It's just it's just a Chrome extension. It's just yeah. MetaMask or something.
1: Well, it is it is pretty cool that it does see the post messages from Chrome extensions though, because that would be really helpful for auditing Chrome extensions as well.
0: Hundred percent, yeah. So check out that Medium post. It's got a lot of really good references in it. I, I would go through them all, but I would, I would just be reading a list. I think so. It's, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll leave that up to the, the, the listener to go ahead and read that. But um, yeah, post messages are super. You know, they go under the radar super easily. A lot of people forget about them. A lot of people don't notice them. So install that Chrome extension. Check out what messages are being po- sent. Your post message and uh, find some bugs.
1: Yeah, dude. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It it definitely there's definitely some cool stuff in there. And then once you get you know using that, once you get a reference to the window object, um, you can send the post message and interact with them. And it's it's pretty much like the way that I like to think about it is it's kind of like an API for the client side web page. So if you've got event listeners on there, those are like the endpoints that you can call. So if you think yeah. about it that way, it makes it a lot more approachable. Um, it, you just got to learn how to use the the window. Um, you know, dot post message interface to send your data across.
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. I'm really excited because I, I noticed in the doc you put CSS injection stuff, and we had talked about this a couple oh, episodes yeah. ago. I mentioned that I, I wanted to dive into this, so I'll, I'll let you take it away. But yeah. yeah, CSS injection.
1: Dude, I'm 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 excited for this, man. This is like like I mentioned on the other episode. It's like one of my most favorite bugs that I've ever I've ever found. Um, so. Uh, before I jump right into that, I will actually talk about a couple little things that I wanted to mention. Um, so while I was researching for this bug, um, when I was actually finding the bug, uh, I found uh, about a co- bunch of cool things about CSS, um, including the fact that you can do CSS escapes. So a lot of times, um, where you have a specific CSS, you can inject into a page um, intentionally uh, on, a, on an application they'll use like regex or something similar to validate that the that the um, uh, CSS you're sending is is appropriate. Uh, but in these sort of situations, uh, if they use a blacklist instead of a whitelist, you can do some pretty crazy stuff mm-hmm. um, because there's like three or four different ways you can escape Unicode and like write the same thing. Um, and so a lot of times those aren't taken into consideration when, um, uh you know blacklisting css so definitely something to check out
0: so so when you write css can you do like html encoding on it or
1: not exactly so i'll drop it in the doc you can see it there but um there's a couple different ways one of them is like unicode so for well first of all you can do uh just simply backslash encoding so if you just say like backslash m that's the character m um and so if you just throw a backslash in there sometimes that can screw up the regex and and get by get a bypass for you and you'll see that's what actually uh, happens in my case and i um,
0: i love seeing blog posts like this because it like it's pretty i i feel like it's rare when you see somebody just like openly like writing like a fully formatted blog post that's just talking about like nuances about yeah. things because no, like, it's I, it's, I it's I so great that. to have like that kind of perspective
1: yeah for sure what is what is this guy's name so we can we can shout uh, him out it's Ma- uh, matthias. matthias yeah uh, matthias
0: Bi- Bin- oh, Bin- god. oh god
1: I, Let's see if I can get to his Twitter here. Hold on. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just Matthias gonna. His Binance. thing says, it,
0: his name is Matthias. I work on the Chrome DevTools and V8 JavaScript engine at Google. Holy cow! Okay. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. And actually, look at that. He's actually got at Matthias uh, on Twitter. So wow. that's that's how you know you're an OG if you have at your name on Twitter. That's um, pretty big. So definitely go check that guy out. He wrote this blog post, uh, CSS escapes, CSS character escape sequences. Um, that has a bunch of ways to escape stuff, um, and then the other way to do it is um, you can do just Unicode-based uh, escaping. So you know the Unicode code, for example, the Unicode character for one is uh, zero zero three one. So you just kind of put that in there backslash zero 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 three one, and that uh, escapes to your to your Unicode character. Yeah.
0: Yeah, this is this is really awesome, and uh, he he actually wrote at the bottom that there's an update that uh, there is now a CSS dot escape utility method that oh, okay. uh, that handles like all these different rules and stuff for you. I, it's interesting because I think this was actually written uh, as like a reference for like developers to try and be more yeah. safe and like <laughs> what the rules they need to follow for validation, and uh, and per usual we're we're kind of approaching it the backwards way. or yeah, we're looking so at sorry how to, about. How to abuse Abusing it? Abusing <laughs> your work,
1: Matthias. But we're big fans. We really yeah. appreciate you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Dang, dude, that's awesome. The, those uh, those people are, are wizards in my book. Like anybody yeah. who works on like the low level, like all that kind of stuff, total wizard.
1: It's crazy. Um. So the next thing that I had here on the doc for uh CSS injection was talking about a technique uh, developed by good old Nathaniel Latimer Donut. Um, None other
0: than Donut, the donut Rust Master himself. himself.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you check out his uh, blog post, we'll also link it in the, in the description area. But he sort of developed this technique, um, I want to say, or at least this is the first time I saw it. I won't say he developed it, but uh, of this sort of recursive CSS uh, chaining. So you know, you have, if you have a CSS injection, you perform an import, and that import triggers something and performs another import, and that CSS triggers like a font load and then triggers another import. And it allows you to really, really quickly, almost instantaneously, extract a value.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So that's that's a pretty cool a pretty cool technique as well that I wanted to shout out. And we can't really mention CSS injection without having that noted. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's the bug that I was that I was thinking of. I think oh, it yeah? was from from Singapore, and uh, or, or maybe it was like around that time. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was just a really awesome bug because it's one of those things where like. Normally, I think you would get to that point and be like, "Oh, well, this is unexploitable. This is probably where this where this bug ends, and I'll just have to follow something else." But
1: yeah, you can't say the words "unexploitable" around Donut. <laughs> like that just like triggers him to like go down that path. Yeah,
0: challenge accepted.
1: Yeah, um, and then the last thing that I wanted to talk about before I hop right into the CSS injection, bud. Um, is the CSS Painting API. And I'm sure people more CSS adept than me have already checked this out. But um, this is actually a way that is supported by Google Chrome, like d- like not even any flags or anything, just in-prod Google Chrome, to uh, actually call JavaScript from CSS. Uh, and so I, I don't think this is behind any, any developer flags or anything. Um but there's just a very limited thing amount of stuff you can do here, so I'd be interested for someone um who's a little bit more adept than me in uh you know browser exploitation to check this out and see exactly how they're doing it because there definitely is some uh some potential here
0: yeah this is uh this is super interesting. I wonder how limited it is uh in terms of like the scope and functions that it can actually call because they mentioned that this is meant for drawing like i guess similar to a canvas or something but yeah um... exactly
1: yeah so i think you have to like trigger some you have to load up a javascript uh worklet uh you have to register it in javascript and then you can call it from within the css but there has to be some parsing of what they're doing. And so I definitely want to dive a little bit deeper back into this because it seems like an interesting target. And yeah. anyone in the audience, if you, if you figure out something cool with that, please send it to me. We want to feature it. And also, I just want to know about it. So,
0: Yeah, yeah, this is super cool. Um, before you talk about your your CSS injection bug, mm-hmm. you want to talk about um, Rezo's blog post? Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, sure. I just wanted to shout this out really quick because we right before um, the episode, he... He released this and he, uh, Rezo. Um, let's see if I can uh, count, call out his, yeah, Twitter handle, Rezo underscore underscore. Um, he released a blog post called Hacking with Chat GPT, and it just kind of talks about um, all the different, like, quick and dirty use cases that you can use Chat GPT for, um, while you're hacking. And I think it does a really good job of giving like actual hands-on like, this is not something that's potentially possible with ChatGPT, this is something that you can literally go to ChatGPT right now and do, and it will benefit your hacking. Um, and I've definitely used ChatGPT for these sort of things before, so I thought it was an awesome blog post.
0: Yeah, So and this is uh, stuff we talked about, I don't remember which episode this was, but um, one of the earlier episodes, we talked a little bit about ChatGPT and use cases for hacking and all that kind of stuff. And mm. um, yeah, I mean, like we mentioned, take this all with a little bit of a grain of salt because chat GPT sometimes hallucinates um, where, where it will like start to just make up stuff that makes sense, but doesn't make sense. Um, But that being said, it is really, really useful for a lot of like quick and dirty things, especially like the scripting stuff. Uh, It was interesting. I was reading through this prompt that uh, Rosso had put together that was describing, you know, write a Python script that takes this input and reads a file, blah, blah, blah. And, For me, sometimes at this point, after all the years that I've written Python, it's probably quicker for me to just write the Python (laughs) than it it is to try and explain what what I want it to do.
1: It does take some time for it to process it sometimes, too. I don't know if it's just the load or they're having some trouble scaling or something, but it does take a second
0: yeah yeah the free i don't know what's going on with the free version i think the last i heard was that the free version is only free when it's under low load oh and, really oh, or something like that but or, or maybe they're they're planning on adding a paid version soon it, it, there's something like that but I, I believe at a certain point you're going to start have to pay for credits
1: yeah i can't find the tweet but someone tweeted at us after that episode i want to say it was episode six where we were talking a little bit about chat gpt stuff um, and then he said something on the lines of, like, uh, you know, you uh, after listening to this episode, here is a really cool link to, like, uh, understand how ChatGPT works. And it might be helpful for thinking about this from, like, an attacker's perspective to understand, you know, the background behind it. So I'll try oh, to nice. dig up that tweet and, and retweet it and, and uh, add it to the show notes as well.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, send, send me that tweet. I, I missed yeah. that one.
1: I will. Um, all right, man. I believe the time has come. It's I, CSS ejection time. You, you hyped me up about time, this. I, am, I know. Uh, I know. I you know. I hope it. I hope it meets the uh, <laughs> expectations. Uh, but uh, yeah, I had it in my uh, in my browser tab here, and it yeah. Here it is, right here.
0: I hate it when my tabs close nice. themselves.
1: Yeah, it closed. You know, and I probably did something. I probably like saw a, no, no, uh, no, it. And then it closed itself. It closed itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Um, all right, cool. So here's the bug. Set in the scene. Uh, not going to tell you the target, but it is a target that does something uh, that in a store provides payment processing and other services. Um, and actually it's funny because I've actually found a similar bug in another target. Uh, so these are, anytime you see like a payment flow, this is really something you should look into um, because payment flows like to do cross-domain communication for PII segmentation, or um, not PII, um, what is it called, PCI? Is it the one that they f- have to do for credit card? For segmentation, uh, yeah. Yeah, I
0: think, it's, P- I think I th- it's PCI.
1: I think it's PCI. Um, and they have to be on a specific domain with a bunch of like uh, specific standards and stuff like that. So um, you'll often see post or cross-domain communication in those uh, situations for segmentation purposes. And a lot of times that causes problems, but some t- like for us as attackers, because we can't get at the data that's behind the segmentation, um, but sometimes, as you'll see in just a moment, it causes problems as well. I had to take a sip of water there before we get rolling. But um, I know
0: my, my throat takes a beating during, during these, these episodes, does, especially man. with the allergies now.
1: It, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm getting smacked by that today, too. Um, okay. So the way that this specific one worked was each individual field in the checkout was an individual iframe. And those iframes were sort of syncing up and, like, getting communication via sort of a um, post message broadcast of sorts, that would just kind of broadcast all, all the post messages from every, um, that you know, fit this form to every other entity in the, uh, in that this frame was connected to. Now, the problem with this is the um, situation where you have a malicious influencer, and that influencer uh, gets you to go to a product purchase page and then does it in a new tab, so they have access to that frame reference. And my throat is dying again, so I'm gonna take another sip. <coughs> Um, Yeah. So then, you know, we got these in these different iframes, and what would happen is they would send out uh, these broadcast updates, and once they send out the up- updates, you have a set of, they also would set up uh, event listeners, and they had a bunch of event listeners that they would subscribe to, Um, and these are, here, let me see if I can pull up the actual list here. Yeah. Like they could, you could set attributes, a certain set of attributes and you could, um, uh, you would get an alert when the frame was ready and a bunch of other stuff like that. So here's how the attack worked. Um, the attacker would force the victim to open up the tab and go through that process. Then when, uh, the frame was loading up the actual, uh, credit card input frame, Uh, there was a race condition that you could trigger where you could send a post message faster than the actual parent frame to the child's child sub uh, iframe, and that would allow you to do a CSS injection on the uh, credit card page where all of this was actually happening. Um, So you win the race, that's the first thing, you get the CSS injection. Now, once you get the CSS injection, there is CSS filtering that's happening here and they've got a blacklist. And that blacklist prevents you from doing imports, it prevents you from doing media uh, or like a bunch of, there's some like caveats for media calls, there's a bunch of stuff. Um, However, uh, I was like, oh, let me just use this escaping that I had researched. I say, oh, it took me like five hours to get to this point. But uh, (laughs) yeah, Uh, I I Oh, let me just do that one thing (laughs) real quick. Yeah, exactly. Five
0: hours later.
1: Pretty much, that's how it was. Um, and so, yeah, I, I did that and then freaking CSP got me, man. I couldn't import any other scripts, um, even though I bypassed the import restriction. Um, so I was like, shoot. So then I go down this path, and without getting too much into detail, there was a caveat that they were using for media queries, where you could do media queries, and it wasn't um, filtering for regex. Um, and. Uh, it wasn't filtering with regex for comments. and Uh. (coughs) Man, I'm sorry, guys. poor throat's taking a beating. I know, my throat is is killing me and uh, I'm not going to go and uh, edit all of these out because it takes too much time. So, (laughs) sorry sorry about your ears. Um, But anyway, within this uh, CSS that I would send, there was a way to abuse the media query caveat and the CSS um, block... Comments to actually mm. p- prove that you could run arbitrary CSS. So I did that, and I defined um, 160 unique fonts and 16 <laughs> unique listen to this and 16 <laughs> unique classes. Okay. So and then another no no going back to the post message thing. There were a couple little like functions you could trigger for the post message. You could set the uh, placeholder of the of the field. And you could set the, um, and you could clear the field, right? So this is how the actual attack worked, right? I would generate all this CSS, and then the user would go to that page and they would input a credit card number, right? They would Im- input the number four, right? So when that happens, it triggers a class which loads an external font that's on my server, okay? <laughs> then the parent tab reaches out to my server, it loads up that character that it had. Um, submitted to it all, all the time. This is a zero width font. So the user isn't seeing their character typed yet. So it goes out to the server, pulls that down. Then the, uh, parent will actually issue a, a uh, post message to clear the field and set the, the placeholder to that number value, right? Uh. And then it will log that number and then the process continues. And it does that every single time, so it just looks to the user like they're typing with like maybe like a 10 millisecond lag. Like mm. it's, it's very, it was so clean. Um, and, uh, and then at the very end, it had leaked all of the numbers successively to the server via that, those uh, font uploads. And the way, the way for example, the, to explain the reason why we need a font is in font definitions in CSS, you can set a um, Unicode range so a font is only used for one specific Unicode mm. point. And that would allow you to determine which, which by which font was loaded. That would allow you to determine which character was actually um, being typed by the user. So that's gotcha. why I leaked the full credit card number.
0: That's wild. Yeah, so you just built like a CSS keylogger. That That's exactly. crazy.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it was a CSS key logger. And wow. man, there were like so many other different um, pieces along this route. Um, like the zero width font, I had to like... Use a C, uh, uh, SVG font and then convert it to a WAF and th- that was zero width, so that the user, when they would type it the first time, they wouldn't see it, and then it disappear, and then it reappear. It would mm. like just use a zero width font originally, and then as soon as I actually placed it in the placeholder, then it would show the character. And it was, dude, it was so clean. Like at the I'm sure end, that didn't
0: become a rabbit hole where you explored how fonts work.
1: <laughs> okay, dude, it It was so. It took me so long. I probably had. I probably had 25 hours in the middle of a live hacking event invested in this actual bug. Oh, and God. in the end, it popped, and they gave me a crit for it. So I was really, really happy about that. But I think this is the longest report I have ever written. Um, and it got, it got several awards at the end. It got uh, best, best submission. It got customer obsession. And then uh, researcher with the most valid non-critical submissions. Uh, it got also added on there. So it was a big bounty at the end. I was really happy.
0: That's awesome. I think I know the the customer that you're talking about here, but uh, we're we're not going to say any names. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. can't can't yeah, say yeah. anything. cool, awesome. Well, um, before we go, I was actually you reminded me while you were talking about like uh, payment processors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I was thinking there's there's this uh, this I'll leave this as an exercise to one of the listeners if they want to take a look. Mm. There's um there's an interesting behavior that I've noticed on a lot of different shopping websites that if you make a purchase but you don't create an account, then you can later create an account with mm. that email and get access to your orders. Oh, right. So like it, it's like if you sign up after the fact with your email that already has an order on file, then you can like you'll be able to see your previous orders with that email.
1: Interesting. So if that if that user if it doesn't if it has a sign up flow that doesn't require email validation, then you can go through that sign up flow and get access to other people's orders
0: yeah so that in and of itself might be enough to be a bug but i think that it could be taken further and i'm not exactly sure how or where but um i think it it might be an interesting exercise to try and pursue if you notice that behavior somewhere
1: yeah well if you had a self-stored xss you could you know do some stuff with that too where that user would just you know do a a password reset uh next time they logged in and you know get in there start doing stuff and you could monitor that whole session with a self-stored xss
0: Yeah. Or maybe you play some bogus orders that go to their email and then they go and create an account and they get popped.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool stuff, man. Nice, nice attack vector. Dude, I I love stuff like that, man. Oh, that just gets the heart beating for for hacking stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Some some little fuel, some some ideas for your hacking endeavors later.
1: I love it. I love it. Um, Awesome. Let me see. Is there anything else we got on the list for today or is that it?
0: I think that was it. It was kind of a quiet week this week.
1: Yeah, it was a little bit chill, but uh we'll we'll let him let him off early. Only yeah, thirty five we, we, We've been poking
0: we? people, so we'll uh we will have some some bigger topics for next week. I think we're gonna maybe pursue um we well, I won't spoil keep, anything. Keep it, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. keep it on the road. Yeah, we, we we got a couple ideas. All
1: right, sweet. That's the pod.
0: Awesome. Peace.